Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Wellness Plus Podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by the Yoga Plus app by Psyche Truth. The Yoga Plus app has everything you need when you're looking for some yoga in your life, whether you need 30-day programs, 14-day programs, meditations, improving your flexibility, getting stronger, whatever it is you're looking for, the Yoga Plus app has it. So definitely go check that out. We are also brought to you today by Serene Team. Serene Team by Psyche Truth is a web application that is all about helping you improve your sleep, reduce anxiety, and just find some more inner peace to really kind of get all that crazy chatter out of your life. So definitely check out Serene Team as well. They have hundreds of different videos and tools to help you achieve serenity. On the show today, we have Dr. Pam Monday. Dr. Pam Monday is a therapist and a relationship counselor. Um, so really, really cool conversation we had all about why relationships seem maybe to be getting more difficult in today's day and age. And she goes through tons of different reasons why relationships might fail or what might be going wrong and how you can learn to really improve yourself as well as improve your relationship. And so we tackle a lot of really, really important concepts and topics in this one today. So I really hope you enjoy it. One more thing before we go, please make sure you leave us a review. It really helps us out if you leave us a review so we know how we're doing. So go ahead, leave us a review and enjoy the show. Thank you so much for coming in, Dr. Pam. It's a pleasure. It's great to meet you. Um, Today, uh, I wanted to bring you in so we can talk about, obviously, relationships and kind of the changes that those relationships have gone over, you know, over the past, you know, couple of decades, just in terms of the changes in our society and all kinds of things that I feel like have probably made being in a relationship different, maybe more difficult. There's just so many new factors that seem to, uh, to play a role. You bet. You know, nowadays. And so um, kind of the first thing I kind of want to talk about, because I know you said you've been practicing for about 40 years now. Is that right? Long time. Yeah, long time. But But I love what I do. I'm going to keep doing it as long (laughs) as I can see and hear. That's great. (laughs) I mean, that's great. And so going from, I guess, when you first started practicing 40 years ago to now, I mean, has there like what kind of changes have you seen in terms of the, the people that you see and the, the problems that people face in their relationships? Well, it, number one, hands down, things that, that's the same is that everyone has difficulty understanding the other person's point of view. And they call it communication. Mm-hmm. Well, you can't not communicate. It's just what you're communicated may not be what you want your partner to hear. And so the structured skills that people need to learn about how to talk and listen to each other so they feel heard and understood, you can't even begin to problem solve or fix it till you feel heard and understood. That across the board is the same. We come from different tribes. We're different genders. We have different ways of viewing the world. And that's where that conflict arises after the new love wears off. Mm -hmm. And that's where real love can begin to really deepen a relationship. Mm -hmm. What is different is that we are definitely asking more of men 
in the old days, she had her domain. She stayed home, took care of the kids. Mm -hmm. He went and made the money, never the twain shall meet. (laughs) So they didn't have much conflict. Right. Their their domains didn't overlap. But now we're having more of an equal kind of relationship. And that, therefore, more conflict arises because we have different ways of doing things. So it's more complicated in that way rather than a one-up, one-down, men-in-charge relationship. And women are demanding more of men. They're saying, hey, why can't you tell me you're sad, lonely, or afraid today? And men will say, well, my dad didn't sit down with me at the dinner table and ask me if I was sad, lonely, and afraid today. And so men are getting more empathic and learning more about feelings, and it's freer to express feelings. But in a relationship, sometimes we go to our polarized DNA-based behaviors, mm-hmm. and, um, and that creates more problems because it's more complex, and people are required to learn new things. Things. Yeah. Now, in this world of change, we're always learning new things, but the stress of that is difficult. And so we move at a faster pace. Commitment isn't anything like it was in the past. Um, it's a quick change. Um, we run into problems and we do what I call meet, fall in love, hit the wall, change partner, keep the problem mm-hmm. uh, because we're moving so fast. Um, one of the things that I see more frequently now that we have match and Tinder and those kind mm-hmm. of ways to meet each other is a lot of people fall in what I call new lust. Mm-hmm. There's a chemical in the brain called phenylethylamine, PEA for short, and it's a speed-like drug. And that's the high of new love. That's the excitement. Everybody thinks that that's um, love, but it's designed to get us together to mate. It's not designed to keep us together. So the our body habituates to that drug like it does any other, and the effects wear off. And people think that I fell out of love with you or whatever, and it really isn't. It's designed to happen, but if you don't have the skills, then you move on to the next person. And that idea of commitment is like, why should I stay? Uh, We're used to getting our needs met quickly, and if we don't like it, we move on. So that fast pace gets in the way of really slowing down and taking the time to really learn some skills and get to know each other in a better way. Yeah, absolutely. That's a big problem. That's fascinating, too, about the that chemical that gets released in your drug. I've never even heard of that. Yeah, they found it in the lab in monkeys, rats, and humans so far. Really? It really is a drug. That's amazing. And that's where everybody says, this is a perfect person for me. And yeah. We just have this wonderful, exciting right, life. Right, chemistry and, or Yes, whatever. and somebody might tell you, I heard he was an axe murderer. And you say, <laughs> oh, no, he's not like that with me. <laughs> we it's really believe like it. It's almost like blinding a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it is. That's, that's why they say n- new lovers, everyone likes being around them because they're so happy. Right, it's almost like they're like on loop. drugs. They're, yeah, that's that's so interesting. Yeah, and so that's kind of like like people talk about the honeymoon the honeymoon phase kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I guess that's that's kind of playing a big role there. Yeah, and that's what's happening as well with people meeting online, and it may be just kind of coincidental that 
oh, my lease is up and we've known each other three months. Um, but how about if I move in with you? So people move in much quicker without mm-hmm. knowing each other very well. And their friends may not know each other very well, so they don't know much. If you're a total stranger. It takes a long time to really get to know who somebody is. And so once you move in and you have a deeper level of commitment, then you're with somebody every single day. You can't escape to your apartment at night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and that's where things get really tough. <laughs> Too. Oh, so I see a lot more people that are fast forwarding uh, too fast, mm-hmm. and that gets in the way as well. Instant gratification, yeah, uh, but not knowing what to do. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I would say instant gratification is a good way to put it, just because that's kind of what the entire world almost has become, right? <laughs> with the bet. internet and with just Amazon one day shipping. And everything, it's like everything needs to be now. Yeah, and it's still not fast enough. I I find myself, (laughs) and like, I shouldn't, but I find myself thinking that like, I go order something on Amazon. And it says it'll be there tomorrow. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I should be here today. <laughs> there it is. And, yes. That right there. <laughs> yeah. And it's just amazing. And then you think about it. It's like, man, you used to have to wait weeks and weeks or you couldn't even buy anything on the Internet not that long ago. So it's I don't know. It's fascinating to see how it changes our yeah. perception. And yeah, it's, it seems to be the same in the dating and relationship world with all the apps. Um, yep. And so, I mean, I, I, I think I... S- feel that the apps do bring or like all these dating sites i mean they have a lot of benefits because it does give a lot of people the opportunity to meet new people in ways that they never could before you expand your gene pool Mm -hmm. significantly and there is a good thing to that (laughs) which is which is cool um (laughs) yeah and part of it might just be kind of a learning curve with people too because when it first came out i feel like it was like this huge boom and people I don't know. People didn't even know what to do about it. Right. Um, And now maybe after some time and as we start getting used to online dating being much more normal. Now it's much more normal that you meet people that are getting married and they say they met online. Yes. It's very normal. It used to be kind of taboo, like a little bit strange. Yeah. And now it's totally, totally socially acceptable. It's becoming the norm. Socially acceptable. There you go. Yeah. Which is Mm -hmm. good. And so I feel like hopefully we'll kind of adjust and kind of go back to being a little bit more used to these things. But in the same way, right. it might be forever a little bit different than it used to be. Yes. Of course. Absolutely. Yeah. And then the same thing with um, with relationships. Do you deal with a lot of uh, remote, like long distance relationship issues now? Um, I see quite a few people who have been doing a long distance relationship and then after a while, you, the literature says within a year or two, somebody says, we got it. This is exhausting. Mm-hmm. And so then they'll come into my office either because they're getting ready to move together or they've recently moved. Mm-hmm. The issue with that, of course, is somebody's making a sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And that's a huge stressor. Even if they both say we're ready to move in together, somebody's having to leave friends and family. And that creates a lot of problems as well. And if someone is reluctant, I really don't want to move, but okay, I'll I'll go, we'll go wherever the person's making the most money. Mm-hmm. Um, fortunately, a lot of people love coming to Austin. Mm-hmm. It isn't it's some little farm in rural Kansas. Right. <laughs> but it still is stressful. Yeah. But that is happening more often because we are such jet setters and so many jobs require travel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so also, I guess that, that kind of would that lead to the potential of being almost resentful or towards the other person whenever you do move there and then you discover 
I mean, because as always in a relationship, there will be fights, there will be problems, and then they kind of have that clutch of, oh, I can't believe I moved here, you know, for this yeah, or for you. That can be some of the the thing that gets focused on. Yeah. And one thing about phenylethylamine is that you can keep that going in your brain longer when you're doing long distance. Mm-hmm, so people mm-hmm. might do long distance for two or three years, and then they move in together they start spending more time together. It's like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> where did that go? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. if you spend, you know, months and months apart and then meet up, you know, go visit each other, I would imagine it's, yeah, kind of like you said, it's a little boost of that chemical in your brain a little bit. Just you because bet. it's like almost like a sort of new experience. It is. So that's interesting. It's exciting. And, so, and it also that anticipation. Mm-hmm. Oh, good. I'm going to see her at the end of the week yeah, or whatever. Yeah, like missing each other. Because I do think. Or that, going to exotic, wonderful places. Right. Yeah. Because it's almost like a miniature <laughs> vacation. You when bet. They come. It's, it's almost a break from real life a little bit. Another issue I'm seeing a lot more these days uh, are dual career couples. Okay. Where they don't have time for each other, mm-hmm. and they put the relationship on hold because we got so many things to do. And um, I'm having to actually tell people when they come into my office to turn off their phones mm-hmm. because they can't. They're so used to this, yeah. and yet they're not engaged with each other. And setting aside time, especially if they happen to have kids as well, there's no time for the couple. And so that that has been an issue across the board, but I see it more often because people are, are both working and they both may have su- successful, high-paying jobs, mm-hmm. uh, which requires them to put in more hours. Yeah. So uh, that creates problems as well. Yeah. Where is their time for each other? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that's really important. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's kind of becoming an issue with relationships, but also just people in general is actually being able to connect with each other because of cell phones and all this technology that makes it a little bit, I don't know, it's just so easy now to text and to email and that you kind of lose the the real connection, a personal connection with, you know, friends, with girlfriends, yes. boyfriends, husband, wife, all of that. Um, I, I had an interesting experience the other day. I was in the grocery store and somebody I knew 15 years ago with the Westlake Chamber. She lives in, I don't even know where, but I just happened to see her her post on Facebook a few days before. I rarely look at Facebook, but I just happened to, and there Mm -hmm. it was. So I ran into her in the grocery store. She was in town visiting people, and I realized we just said, hi, hi, and we hugged, and she knew what I had just done, and I knew what she had just done, so we really didn't have anything to talk about. It was so weird. <laughs> she, yeah. Okay, good to see you. Bye. Right. So, but it was like it wasn't a real time. Right. It was, okay, I know what you're doing. I know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. So something was missing in that interaction. Also, that idea of how much lonelier people are mm-hmm. because we're doing this, which is not real connection. It's fast. It's quick. Doesn't take me much time. And then I go to the next person mm-hmm. and people are not connecting. Yeah. Yeah. And I, that's kind of sad. sad. It is very sad. Mm-hmm. And you see it um, in like public places all the time where it used to be maybe you could go out and have conversations with friends or even with strangers maybe. But nowadays you would net like it's so rare for you to strike up a conversation with a stranger. Yeah. It's very uncommon. And then even you see groups of friends out and half the time everybody's still just on their phone. The saddest thing is when I see families at dinner tables in a restaurant Mm -hmm. and everyone is like this. Yeah. And that's just a tragic, 
change in how we relate, but you're seeing it with problems with teenagers and all of the comparisons on social media and that kind of addictive quality of of the instant gratification Mm -hmm. and going from one new thing to the next. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, so kind of getting back with, I know you said the, the one main thing that has stayed consistent is communication being kind of an issue between, yeah. between couples. And so how, how do you people, how do you even start to work on your communication? How do you, how do you get better at that? <laughs> well, the model I use, it's called Imago. I-M-A-G-O. Imago is the Greek word for image. And it is a, um, a model that was created by Dr. Harville Hendricks and his wife, Helen LaKelly Hunt. And they wrote the book that has been around 25 years called Getting the Love You Want. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, says that when we're in that height, the phenylethylamine, that the higher the high, the more there's going to be struggle afterwards. Because here is the theory. When we're scanning the room to see who we're drawn to, where's the chemistry? There's a part of the brain that's saying, let me scan the brain, let me scan the room and find somebody that's going to trigger my stuff from childhood after new love wears off. You ever heard that saying, I married my mother and married my father? Yeah, How yeah, does that absolutely. happen? You were so wonderful. Now you're just like dad. Right. But what that is, is I think it's a real spiritual healing message because the old brain, the reactive brain and the unconscious brain, this is the human thinking, planning brain, the frontal lobe, the unconscious brain is running the show. Mm-hmm. And saying, I'm going to get from my partner what I didn't get from mom or dad. This isn't about dissing parents. It's about all of us have good stuff in childhood and not so good stuff. And so we're trying to heal. And so you may be just be so happy and wonderful and you're not angry like my dad was. But guess what? Anger is part of being human. Mm-hmm. So you might get just a little bit of anger and I get scared to death because, oh, you're going to blow any moment. Mm-hmm. And so... I don't talk to you because I'm afraid you're going to get upset with me. And this part of the brain says, "Uh uh-uh, danger, danger, danger. So what's wonderful about the model is not just the theory, but it's Harville and Helen created these wonderful exercises that teach you how to do something different. How do you listen well enough to be able to mirror back to that partner what they just said so they can hear themselves objectively? Mm -hmm. That is a miracle right there, because if I'm listening to you well enough, you're saying something to me that I don't like. So I'm going to get defensive. If I can put my world down and my defensives down and just listen to understand and listen carefully enough to mirror back your words as close as possible to what you said, your primitive brain is going to settle down because you don't feel threatened and I'm not coming back and escalating. Mm-hmm. You're going to feel heard and understood just if I do nothing but mirror you. That's true for parents with children really listening. Once you've mirrored it, a next step to go a little deeper is let me validate what makes sense about your point of view. So maybe you say to me, you know, I am so tired of your mess in the bathroom. So I'm going to say, you know, you're saying you're so tired of my mess in the bathroom. You know, that makes sense because who likes mess in the bathroom? That's a validation of what makes sense about your world, even if I don't agree. I may think, well, you're messier than me. Mm-hmm. But if I say that, I've escalated. Right. So I just felt what makes sense about that. And then to go really deeper down where people get to the heart of what's going on, and that's called empathy. I'm going to guess how you're feeling about that. 
So when that happens, I imagine you might feel now I might want to say frustrated, angry, annoyed, mad, irritated. That's all version of that fight response of the primitive brain, fight or flee. Mm-hmm. But instead, I'm going to say, so when that happens, when you're seeing my mess in the bathroom, I imagine you might feel invaded, ignored, unimportant. I'm going to try to guess what are the softer, more vulnerable feelings. And then you're going to listen to my side of the story. You know, when I get ready in the morning, I'm just in such a uh, such a rush that I've got to get out the door. I've got to get the kid to the daycare. And um, so you mirror that. You validate. You empathize. And what happens is people really calm down. I usually teach that skill the second session. First skill I'm, I'm looking at, first session I'm looking at family of origin and sketching everybody's family. What was your mm-hmm. role model for how to do a marriage? Second session, if they're ready for it, I'm teaching them that skill so they can decide, hey, how does this feel? Mm. And oftentimes I'll say, hey, look at that clock. For 30 minutes, you have talked about something that you usually would have been screaming about five minutes after five minutes. Mm-hmm. So it's just, it's a miracle. And I love all the tools and skills, and it's a hopeful thing. A lot of people think that going to a, to a counselor is, okay, they're just going to sit and listen and, you know, gee, how'd you feel about that? Uh-uh. Mm-hmm. I'm an active therapist that are teaching you how to do something different. Because usually people, I think the recent literature says couples come in after six to seven years of struggle mm-hmm. before they begin to ask for help. And hopefully we're changing that kind of stigma yeah. and saying, hey, you, you need a good coach yeah. of what to do different. Think outside the box because we just get stuck over and over and over again being mm-hmm. humans. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we're unconscious. We even forget it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> Why sure. were we arguing, Pat? I don't know. But you did that same old thing. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> We'd like to briefly interrupt this interview to remind you that this podcast was made possible by listeners just like you. Become a supporter at patreon.com slash psychytruth, where you can watch the video version of this episode and all our podcast episodes. Plus, you'll gain access to over 500 videos of exclusive content, including premium courses and behind-the-scenes peaks. Help us keep this information free by visiting patreon.com slash psychytruth. That's patreon.com slash P-S-Y-C-H-E-T-R-U-T-H. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, that's really interesting because it, it does seem to be, and it all kind of ties back in with how humans are in general now, is everything is very, kind of like said, fast-paced. Everything escalates very quickly. And so when you have, when you start getting into an argument, usually, like you said, you'll start using... I guess, words that describe more aggressive type things and it starts escalating. And you don't, like each person doesn't really listen. I don't think they really listen to each other. If anything, they listen to maybe a few keywords that they know are going to make them mad or that they can be ready to argue, have a point against. Right. And they just kind of going off at each other back and forth and nothing really gets done. Exactly. 
I mean, we see it every day on the news, people behaving like that. (laughs) It is not healthy. It's not going to get you anywhere Mm -hmm. when you're screaming and yelling because the other person is not interested in hearing what's underneath the thing you're fighting about. And you can't possibly remember all that. You just remember that there you go again, accusing Mm -hmm. me of Mm -hmm. (laughs) whatever. So very true. So it's a skill like any other of learning how to listen in a different way and to have compassion for the other person's plight. And the more reactive we get in this alligator brain, we have the part we share with crocodiles, the more reactive we get, the more we're going to pull out the howitzers because I'm threatened and you're the enemy and I'm going to kill the enemy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And yeah, 30% of murders are by spouses or partners. Yeah, that's that's how scary it is. That's insane. Because we get most reactive to someone that's most important to us because they have the power to hurt us the most. Mm. And it's when we feel hurt and threatened that we get defensive. So show me a defensive person and I'll show you there's a whole bunch of softer, more vulnerable feelings going on that they're defending against and protecting. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to pick the biggest howitzer to shoot you down if you've shot me down. And so people begin another thing that has happened a lot more that people are saying the cause of their divorce now that we have kind of no fault divorce we just grew apart so what happens is maybe they fight a while then you get tired of that so one starts shutting down or maybe they both shut down and have what I call the unnatural heaviness of unspoken thoughts we're not talking about it we're superficially relating but nobody's going down because it's either going to blow up or you won't hear me and so people begin to live parallel lives Mm. And that's where the opposite of love isn't hate. It's indifference. Mm-hmm. I don't care anymore. Yeah. And that's oftentimes where people say we just grew apart. And so um, when those folks come in, a lot of times I'll say a lot of times people will come in that have been married a long time and they have kids. And I'll say, whether you stay married or divorced, um, that's up to you guys. But what I want to do is help clean up the space between you because you're stuck forever because of those kids. Mm -hmm. And if you want to keep mad at each other to keep from feeling the loss, that's going to damage your children. The higher the conflict, the harder the divorce adjustment for kids, no matter how old the kids are. Mm -hmm. And so let's teach you those skills of how to talk and listen. And um, that's so much better than hiring big attorneys to fight each other. Yeah. Let's see what we can do about the space between you. Sometimes they'll come a year or two after the divorce and say, we're sick of fighting. The divorce is done. Our kids are having problems. What do we need to do? And I'll say, you guys come in and let's repair this. doesn't mean you're getting back together. Right. It's how can you be respectful and you've moved on, but you have respectful relationship. That's the best thing you can do for your kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, absolutely. Yeah. Because yeah, especially when there's when there's children involved with that whole dynamic, it makes it a lot more difficult. I would imagine it is. You know, really hard for kids to be in the middle of that yeah. and to experience, even if it's the Cold War where they don't speak mm-hmm. and they go to events, they sit on opposite sides and glare at each other. Mm-hmm. And the kids have terrible divided loyalty. Yeah. If yeah. I'm close to dad, mom gets her feelings hurt. And mm-hmm. that's kids taking care of parents. Yep. And uh, are one of the parents, the poor me in the in the divorce, poor me. I tried so hard. Mm-hmm. And the kids still feel sorry for the parents. That's devastating, too. It's not a kid's job to take care of a parent. 
emotionally. Yeah. And divorce is hard for everybody, for sure. But that's where you need your own adult support and not look to your kids to try to make you feel better. Mm-hmm. So it's just so complex. And we have more and more divorces. The good news is about divorce is that it's much more common. and mm-hmm. It's not such. Oh, yeah. You have three moms. Me, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it isn't as much the stigma as it was right. 20, 25 years ago. Yeah. Do you think that has that has something to do with the fact that it has become more common because it's more accepted? Because obviously it used to be almost Ill- used to be illegal, shame. right? Like it was, you can't get divorced. That's right. And so now it's a lot more common. Yeah. We have, we have less shame about some things we should be ashamed about. <laughs> but um, uh, back in the 40s and 50s, people would get divorced. And, man, they didn't want anybody to know it was a big-time secret because it had so much shame attached, like so many other things. Mm-hmm. So there's some good news about taking that shame away and stopping that blame game. But the bad news is it's much more common. However, there are support groups for kids with divorce. There are good therapy out there, and therapy is more understood mm-hmm. as a good thing to do for your kids. And so there's more, um, there's less stigma involved with therapy mm-hmm. when you've got kids that are having struggles. And we're recognizing that now, thank goodness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. And so within relationships now, do you see an increased level of like jealousy issues, or has it stayed pretty steady? Ah, that's a good question, because what I see more of uh, are the infidelities of online acting out, Right. whether it's porn or it is going into a chat room because you're kind of bored with your partner and you're not having that hit of PEA anymore. And mm-hmm. so, hey, I can get away with this. And it makes this more tolerable. Mm-hmm. Mm-mm. Makes it worse. Yeah. And um, it, it's interesting in terms of... Um, There are open marriages out there, but invariably, people are people. So it's okay if you have sex. I'm going to have sex with somebody else, but don't you have coffee with them? Yeah. Because that's a relationship. So it's a whole different kind of thing of how people are defining what is fidelity, what is loyal. And every couple has to decide what is that. So, for instance, even with friends— um, it's okay. You had a, I don't know, you had a girlfriend 10 years ago, so it's okay if she's in your friendship network, uh, but I don't want you to go in out by yourself with her. Mm-hmm. Or, um, okay, here are your friends and here are my friends, and you can go with your female friend to lunch, but you can't go to dinner. Mm-hmm. Or if I'm out of town, you can go with a group, but not just with her alone. Mm-hmm. But those are the things that every couple has to deal with. And when, we, when we're when we in the height of new love, we're not jealous of anybody because you're with me all the time. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we come to the table with insecurities. And if you are insecure in relationships, if you've been cheated on, if you've had trauma growing up, if you had a parent who had an affair, you're going to come to the table with different uh, anxieties Mm -hmm. about that happening again. And so oftentimes, if we're just feeling a little bit different, or if you go on a trip and you don't call me every day, We haven't talked about you calling me every day, mind you, but that's what I'm expecting. I have an assumption. Mm -hmm. And if you don't do it, then I start worrying. And the more I worry, the more anxious I get. And then when you come home, I let you have it rather than saying, you know what? I'm feeling real insecure. What can we do? Mm -hmm. Healthiest couples I know is where one can say to the other, I'm thinking about having an affair. 
what does that say about you and me? Let's get together and fix this. Mm-hmm. To have that much safety that your partner doesn't take your head off. It's just, yeah. Okay, let me mirror that. You're thinking of having an affair. <laughs> Boy, that makes so much sense. I don't know. Tell me more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But to I have the trust. Do that. <laughs> yeah. Trust and safety. Yeah. To say it in a calm way rather than screaming it, which is always threatening. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that's definitely like one of the hugest things it mm-hmm. seems like is to really be able to stay calm and like you said, empathize and understand what the other person is saying before jumping and getting angry yeah. immediately. And the thing about the reptilian brain, it operates eight times faster than this part of the brain. Mm. That's why we get reactive so quickly. Mm-hmm. But remember that defense says I'm threatened. Mm-hmm. Why am I threatened? Something is a little grain of truth in it. I'll tell you one time a supervisor said to me one time when we were talking about defenses, she said, Pam, what would you say if I told you you were a lousy shrimp farmer? And I said, well, you know, I'd laugh. I am a lousy. I've never done it in my life. She says, what would you say if I said you're a lousy therapist? And I said, well, (laughs) she said, what's the difference? And I thought for a moment, I thought, you know, especially when I was beginning doing therapy and time still when I'm thinking, am I in the right field? Maybe I ought to deal with numbers. Maybe I'm not so great at this. So it tapped into my own little insecurity. Mm -hmm. So I got defensive. So when people get defensive, you've tapped into an insecurity. When you're watching the television, look at who's getting defensive. That Mm -hmm. tells you something about what's going on. But most people are totally cut off from that. They want to look at it because it's too painful. Easier to be mad than sad, lonely, or inadequate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so with um, when when people are, I guess, pointing out these insecurities, uh, not not necessarily intentionally, but it'll happen a lot when when couples are getting into when arguments. they're fighting. Yeah, when they're fighting. Um, I guess it, it's also probably important for people to understand that what they're saying is. I guess it's kind of like that whole mirror thing is understanding what exactly you are saying and why it might hurt yeah. the other person's feelings. You bet. Right, and so that better understanding that you guys can probably better understand why that you're saying what you're saying and why your partner didn't mean to insult you, you know, on that deeper level that you're getting, that you're feeling. Yeah. What you're fighting about is usually not the problem. So for instance, I had this one couple that when I taught them that skill and it takes practice to get the skill right. So I give homework. Then you come back and say, okay, where'd we get stuck? So they said, after about a month or so, they said, Pam, it used to take us 45 minutes to have a structured dialogue about emptying the dishwasher (laughs) because there were a whole bunch of things connected to that. So you're controlling. You tell me that I have to do it a certain way. Or um, you tell me you're going to do it, but you never do follow through. And you do it two days later. And all those power struggles about different kinds of things. It wasn't just about the dishwasher. Mm -hmm. So the more you listen to understand, you can get to a deeper level. And as people aren't feeling threatened, they can think more. Well, you know, really, maybe it's about the division of labor in our house. I feel like I do too much. You don't do enough. Not just the dishwasher. And so the more you really listen, you can get down to what is really happening. And what is my partner triggering? Our partners are walking, talking trigger for our stuff. We're not we're not perfect human beings. Nobody is. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean that some people are obsessive compulsive or some people are just 
are crazy, Mm -hmm. but usually they're not. Usually they're getting more and more reactive, and the more reactive we get, the crazier we act. We throw temper tantrums. We regress under stress. Mm -hmm. The more stress, the more we regress. Yeah. And then we brace ourselves. You know, everything's been fine. Now i got to brace myself. When I walk in, there you're going to be again, and you're going to trigger my stuff, and we'll be fighting within 10 minutes. My home is not my haven. (laughs) Yep. People. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so um, with, with the relationship stuff, like obviously a lot of people, especially o- older couples, will kind of talk about how relationships used to be so much better back in their day. Or, you know, marriages used to be, you look at the divorce right now, kind of like we were talking about how it's gone up. Do you think, kind of like you were saying, there used to be kind of a separation of that power where there was, it almost, maybe there was almost more really clearly defined roles within the relationship where the man was pretty much going out making money. The, the woman would normally stay at home, take care of the family, do more of the housework. Yeah. And so like back then there was these very clear defined roles that neither person might might not have even been happy with, but they were the roles that they right. were filling. And it was a given that you'd stay married because right. there was shame attached to divorce. Exactly. Now, so it was I no mean, option. you can go back to the 1800s and people were getting divorced. In yeah. the 20s, they were getting divorced. But overall, but interesting thing you said about the divorce rate going up. Well, yeah, it's gone up since the 60s mm-hmm. or the 50s. But the interesting thing is the divorce rate for first marriages has actually gone down a little. It's 43 to 45%. We always hear 50%. First marriages, 43 to 45%. Second marriages are 60%. Third marriages, 70% divorce. Hmm. And that's because we have more serial monogamy Mm -hmm. we have more marriages and once you have a second marriage if there are children involved and you have a step family it gets far more complicated Mm -hmm. with interlocking systems and more people and more complicated things yeah so um yeah that's interesting yeah i definitely didn't know anything about that statistic but it makes sense for sure yeah that as you have third or fourth marriages you're going to have if you have connections to previous marriages like children, it's going to make it really, really complicated. really does. And yeah. if you don't get help, if you don't learn to do something different, you'll be your same old self in the new relationship. People will come in and they say, okay, uh, my first marriage had this real controlling person. So now I have this real passive person and I've become the controlling one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like the flip side of, of something. And we're trying to balance right, each other balance out. Mm-hmm. But we can learn from each other. But I talk about the chimp and the turtle. A lot of times in a relationship, one of them's the chimp, wants to talk about it. The other one's the turtle, goes in their shell. And the more the turtle goes in the shell, the more the chimp beats on the shell and come out. And the more the, the chimp beats on the shell, the more the turtle comes in. So they don't connect. Right. It's not safe for the chimp to back off because you're never going to come talk to me. It's not safe for the turtle to come out because you're just going to beat me over the head. And so learning how to create safety, meaning that old brain safety that I don't feel I have to be defensive. Mm-hmm. I can be calm and relaxed and be curious about the otherness of the other person. Harville Hendricks says that a lot. Curious about the otherness rather than threatened by it. Mm. Really learn who you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. And so that's, again, that's kind of going back all about the communication type stuff as well. Yeah. Um, are, are there other kind of main, I guess, main pillars of, of, I guess, skills or issues that you see within relationships that you usually want to address whenever you're working with, with couples? 
Um, yeah, I'm always looking at the family of origin. I do something called a genogram, which is a three generational depictions with squares and circles and marriage lines. And what are the relationships? Because we bring into our marriage things that we learn just by absorbing. Kids are emotional sponges mm -hmm. and they're, uh, you know, that whole uh, do what I do what I say, don't do what I do. Mm -hmm. Kids learn more about what they witness and that's unconscious. My son has five kids. When he had his first son, the son was a year old, he calls me up, mom, something horrible happened. And I said, what is Branson? Okay. He said, yeah. And I said, what happened? He said, you came out of my mouth. <laughs> I said, honey, I am so sorry. I will pay for your therapy. <laughs> at my worst, at my stressed, I said something that hurt the feelings or that was too harsh or whatever. Mm -hmm. None of us are perfect. And so we carry that. And that'll show up when our kids are the same age we are if there's a stressor. Mm -hmm. Like if a, if a dad loses his job or somebody's parent dies or we move uh, and it's a stressful time as a kid. When our kids are that age, the unconscious mind says feels something feels familiar. We may consciously be aware and oftentimes we will repeat some of those things. And that what it was what he was saying to me. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking at patterns and I'm looking at. What's the relationship with, with the families? So, for instance, if somebody comes in and they didn't have very good family systems and they don't have much connection upline, they don't have family support, if they don't have family support, if they don't have a good friendship network, then they're trying to get all their needs met by their spouse. Mm -hmm. One person can't possibly meet all your needs. Now, there's some that only spouses meet. That's your financial support. That is your sexual support. That's your family. But if you don't have emotional support, then there's more tension because there's more at stake. Mm -hmm. So when those couples are isolated, that happens a lot when people move to a new location and they don't have family available. Mm -hmm. Now, fortunately, we do have ways to communicate. Right. We've got Skype, but still uh, they're more alone. And they've lost some of that. And that goes back to some of the um, resentment. If I've moved and I've left my tribe and I'm alone and I'm having to start all over and you're at work all day or I'm trying to find a job, that complicates things a lot yeah, for yeah. sure. So I'm looking at family support. I'm looking at couples where um, if a family does not like your spouse, you're not one of us, you're not our tribe, we all got to be alike, and you've picked this totally different person, and they don't like the spouse, that couple has a harder time making it, as you could imagine, yeah. because it puts the kid, the uh, son or the daughter in a loyalty bind. Mm -hmm. And you have to choose. And if you say, choose me or your family, a lot of times someone will choose me, but you have to give up your family. And that's mm -hmm. a terrible loyalty bond. And that, may, that makes for depressed people yeah. and struggles in a marriage. Yeah, we yeah. need tribe support. Yeah. And that's a given across the centuries. <laughs> the podcast you are listening to was brought to you by wellnessplus.tv a subscription service empowering you with everything you need to take control of your health and happiness. Sign up for your free trial today to watch the video version of this episode and all our podcast episodes. Plus, you'll gain access to our extensive library, including hundreds of follow-along yoga and fitness courses, massage therapy tutorials, weight loss information, guided meditations, educational health videos, and so much more. Feel better, look better, 
and live better today by visiting wellnessplus.tv. Oh, generation. Sure. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, that totally um totally makes sense, especially with you know, there's a lot of couples that I've known in my life, and I'm sure tons of people have, where when, when a couple gets together, they they almost seclude, like they you never see your friend anymore, right? Because mm-hmm. he's always with, with his new girlfriend, or sh- your girlfriend is always with her new boyfriend, and they kind of go off into their own thing, which is, I guess, kind of expected it's during that. It's normal at the beginning. At the beginning. But then after a little while, you would expect them to at least start hanging out a little bit, because they still, you don't want to get rid of all your friends. You don't want to... You put bet. all your all your eggs in just the basket of like like you said I feel like that puts a lot more stress on that relationship absolutely it does and um, let's say that one of them really didn't have a friendship network mm-hmm. and the other one did well that one says okay I want you to meet my friends but we spend most of our time together and then he or she says you know let's do more with friends and she says no i want you all to myself mm-hmm. or he says that and that creates a lot of problems yeah yeah so you know the ideal thing is she has a network of friends he has a network of friends the friends are friends that's mm-hmm. wonderful that that happens but sometimes it doesn't and so that's where you have to decide where's the balance mm-hmm. some people i've had uh, couples who come one comes from a family where mom and dad had only each other they were you have to have separateness you have to have individuation but some people just joined at the hip mm-hmm. so that one comes into a relationship that's their model the other one says ah, we were social we had people coming in our house all the time well those are two very different ways of doing things and that's where after new love wears off and we don't care everything's wonderful i love going to all those places with all those people around wait a minute i'm sick of all that loud noise then you have to have the skills to be able to negotiate both and, not either or, my way or your way, but how can we have some of both so we both get our needs met? And that requires negotiation skills. And negotiation, in, we compromise, you get a little bit, I get a little bit, but how can I really be on board for you getting your needs met, you be on board, and what's the balance so it's mm-hmm. not either or? And what's healthier maybe than both of those models? What's the way we're going to do it with our family? Because there are other ways to look out of the box rather than one extreme or the other. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and one more thing to fight about, my way or your way. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> it usually gets you nowhere. <laughs> yeah. Let me yep. control you. Yeah, that, I feel like that's always that. an issue as well as people that when the couple start getting a little bit more controlling over one another and that just never leads anywhere good, it seems. Right. Yeah. And, and oftentimes uh, one of the spouses then becomes more passive. Mm-hmm. Because if I'm butting up against somebody all the time, I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. Mm-hmm. But, man, you can stuff feelings just so long. And that's where I call the stuff and blow volcano. Where <laughs> it comes out, but it's been stewing for years. Right, right, you know? right. Yeah. Well, another thing that I've always kind of been curious about, because it's something that I've noticed a lot growing up and seeing friends of mine going into relationships where, and everyone's seen it where either a girl or a boy goes into a relationship and everybody else is sees that there it's not a healthy relationship. It looks very toxic for whatever reason. And that girl or that guy seems to have a kind of a pattern of constantly getting into relationships with people that it's always kind of the same kind of partner, mm-hmm. different people, but same kind of person that for whatever reason, like everyone knows it's not going to go well because that not person healthy. is right. It's not. Yeah. And so I'm like, I'm sure you see plenty of that, but 
do you, is there any reason is that usually have to do again with something from their childhood? That... Absolutely. Family of origin. That's the first thing yeah. I look at, because, for instance, if there's a caregiver who hooks up with someone who's just a mess uh, or doing drugs or uh, emotionally just over the top, up and down, and they come in and they try to be the peacekeeper or whatever and say, where did you learn to do that? Probably learn to do that at home. Uh, another thing would be somebody who hooks up with somebody who's really controlling mm-hmm. that person that hooks up with somebody like that over and over that dominates them and they're submissive. They may uh, have very poor self-esteem or they may have no strong sense of self. So they're always looking to other people, tell them what to do. Mm-hmm. And, and they haven't grown up enough to know to say, you know what, I'm going to set a boundary with you. Don't talk to me like that. Mm-hmm. Or they've been abused. So there, there's always something that we bring to the table table and when you see the same pattern over and over and over that's where somebody needs to do their own therapy work mm-hmm. to say why am i doing something like this is it about my self-esteem because i see self-esteem issues it's interesting the research says that kids need up until the age of seven or eight we get our self-esteem from the people around us usually our family our church group our boy scouts our teachers whatever giving us five positive interactions for every one negative, five to one ratio, Mm. five attaboys for every bad girl. Mm -hmm. And if we don't get that five to one ratio, we begin to think something's the matter with us Mm -hmm. because we don't understand, hey, dad's yelling because he's upset about his job. Our mom's withdrawing because she's depressed. We think something's the matter with us. Mm -hmm. Kids want parents' approval. And so that five-to-one ratio applies for a relationship as well. Five, thank you so much. Five, I appreciate you for every criticism. Mm. So teaching couples how to do criticism by appointment only. Can we have an appointment to have a dialogue so we can talk in this structured manner and make it safe to really listen to each other Mm -hmm. rather than spontaneous criticism? And we often do unconsciously what was done to us. Who in your family modeled constant criticism? Who in your family was controlling? Who in your family was the peacekeeper? Mm-hmm. It isn't about blaming families. It's what did you absorb? What did you learn? What did you learn about what it means to be married? What does it mean to be a boy or girl? What does it mean to be a son or a daughter? Mm-hmm. Because those are the myths and rules we carry with us. I've been writing a book forever. Hopefully someday I'll finish it about myths, rules, and legacies that are passed down across the generations and how we play them out with our own kids or with our partner. Oh, okay. And have you become aware of, oh, my gosh, is that what I'm doing? Mm. Well, let me see what I can do different. And having that conscious awareness so you have chance to change it. If it's unconscious, you don't even know it's happening. Mm-hmm. It's so automatic. That's all you know. Mm-hmm. And it's the it's the given. There's a saying about when the pain of staying the same is finally bigger than the fear of change. We're motivated to do something different. That's when people come into my office. Okay, we're sick and tired of being sick and tired. Right. What do we do? Okay, yeah, you're here. Let me coach you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. And so it, I feel like a lot a lot of the what you're talking about also has to do with being, like you said, aware of what you're doing and why you're doing it and as well as aware of what your partner and what the people around you are doing and why they're doing it mindful yeah Yeah. this just being like extremely mindful um so there's i assume there's probably a lot of techniques that you need or you can and should do on like individually 
to help yeah. improve the ability to be aware and mindful of everything that's going on. Do you work with people in, in that regard? Absolutely. I have a lot of people that are anxious. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of people anxious this day and age when you're rushing from one thing to the next. Mm -hmm. Now, busy, busy, busy can keep you from pausing and thinking. Some people say, I hate to be alone. If I'm alone, thoughts come in. Right. And maybe they're not good thoughts, right? But with the anxiety, I teach them real structured skills of how to be centered, how to calm yourself down, so you can experience it, it in my office to see if it's a tool that you would like to practice outside of office. Mm -hmm. You know, um, there are different ways. Some people, you know, that kind of alm of the old way, mm -hmm. that never worked for me. Mm -hmm. But when I had something to think through, to focus on instead of my chatter, right. then I experienced that calmness and I think I was an anxious kid and when I learned to do that it was like oh my gosh my chest opened up I could breathe mm -hmm. again so learning how to calm yourself down so you can be in this part of the brain when you're anxious you've been in this everything's scary everything's upsetting and you're chatter 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 I lie awake at night I can't get to sleep because I'm worrying about everything mm-hmm so learning how to do that calming, that mindfulness, that focusing, because some people say, well, I think about it. You know, if only you'd stop doing that, I'd feel better. <laughs> well, good luck with that. <laughs> I have a magic wand in my office that I say, OK, let's wave it. I wave it over his head and he'll be different. He'll be different. Because what happens is we're looking out through our eyes. And we're just seeing what we see, even though we each see distorted worlds. It's mm -hmm. filtered through our belief system, our attitudes. But um, I feel unhappy. And it's you're doing stuff that's making me unhappy. So if you just change it, I feel better. Mm -hmm. So I work with a lot of people that are coming in by themselves. Or if they're a couple, we work on that too. Or I'll send them to individual therapy or I deal with the couple, send them to somebody and help you calm down. Mm -hmm. Because if you're not calm, you are in this part of the brain and you are not going to hear the most brilliant thing that comes out of your partner's mouth. I've had people who say, you know, I'm paying you a bunch of money, Pam, to tell my spouse what I've been telling them for 20 years and they never <laughs> listen to me because I wasn't the trigger. Mm -hmm. <laughs> your brilliance is wasted on me because I ain't listening. I'm mad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that. I'm loading my gun to shoot back. Yeah, because people sometimes, um, kind of like with the communication thing, if you're already prepared to jump on or get agitated about what someone's going to say, you're not going to listen to it anyways. Right. So it helps to have, I guess, with you there to, they can hear it from you a lot easier with without yeah. kind of that filter that they receive from their partner. Maybe. You bet. And I'm making it safe mm -hmm. for them to be able to talk to each other rather than just through me. Mm -hmm. That's why I teach them that skill. Okay, couldn't you just say that to your partner and partner? I just want you to mirror it mm -hmm. right now. Let's do this right now or whatever. Mm -hmm. And if somebody comes in alone, then I'm giving them tools and skills like say their partner doesn't want to come to therapy or they're not ready to let them know they're going to therapy yet. Here's something you can do different when she does that or when he does that. Mm. Try this instead and see if that that works better to de-escalate things. Right. You need that five to one ratio mm -hmm. in a relationship. I don't notice how good my left foot feels if my right foot has a thorn in it. I'm focusing on the thorn. Mm -hmm. And that's where that resentment and that buildup of upset or that silence comes in. Yeah. Yeah, and it totally makes sense. I mean, obviously, if you have your own anxieties and all these things, like you, you can't be on your own, it's going to be almost impossible to have a healthy relationship because you're always going to have that 
in the back of your mind or you're always going to be stressed anyways with kind of whatever your own issues are. You bet. And, and that, that'll bleed through, I feel like, to the relationship. Absolutely. Yeah. So true. And that thing about um, uh, short-term memory, when we're reactive and we go to this part of the brain eight times faster than this part of the brain, short-term memory goes out the window. Mm. That's why people will say, I can't remember what we were fighting oh, about. Yeah. Or you said so-and-so. No, I didn't. I said so-and-so. Right. Short-term memory goes out. The ability to calm and stay centered goes out. The ability to problem-solve and plan goes out the window. You are operating from kill the enemy or run and hide so the enemy won't kill me or freeze. Maybe the enemy won't see me. You cannot function in the executive part of the brain. Mm -hmm. And that's why that reactivity gets you nowhere yeah. but more fights. But we do it over and over and over. It feels so good to be righteous and indignant. <laughs> that's so interesting. That totally makes sense, though. And that's why I feel like I know I've heard a lot of a lot of people talk about like using different breathing exercises to help kind of take a second, breathe. Absolutely. Calm yourself back down, right? Because then once you are calm, you can actually approach the situation or the problem, whatever it is, from much more level mind from actually using the, the proper part of your brain instead of like you're talking about that alligator part where you're just kind of reacting. Exactly. And there's something to that idea of 10 deep breaths and really... <sighs> Slow to the count of four, holding it for two beats, exhaling the count of four, that really mindful breathing. Mm -hmm. Because when you're anxious, you're just more and more upset. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> There's no getting rid of carbon dioxide. You're getting toxic. Yeah. And it's an interesting thing, too, about that calm down, because males oftentimes, now this is a stereotype, but I see it most often in our kind of gender-specific stuff. First of all, males' heart rate and blood pressure goes up much faster than women, stays up longer, and goes down. Women, on the other hand, we can hold on to a good grudge, but I'm talking physiologically. <laughs> it goes up, peaks, goes down faster. So if men are already to the point of kill the woolly mammoth and my mate is the woolly mammoth, i got to go behind the brick wall and calm myself down. Mm. The problem is if they calm themselves down, but they don't come back and talk about it because they don't have a skill. So that reactivity, it takes longer for a man to calm down. That's mm. why I teach couples timeout. Timeout means you have a contract that if either one calls timeout, you can have a signal or a word that is your own. It doesn't mean you're doing something wrong. It means something's happening right now that one or both of us is getting reactive. So anybody who calls a timeout, that means we zip it. Even if we're sitting in the car, Take some breaths and put water on the fire, not fuel on the fire. Mm -hmm. Fuel on the fire. <laughs> There's a goo again. Water on the fire. So let me calm myself down. Let me practice that breathing. Let me have a glass of wine, not a bottle of wine. <laughs> let me go play squash. I don't know. Yeah, something, something that's calming. Mm -hmm. So then you're calming down physiologically and coming back and talking. The other thing that oftentimes males do, if it's not the male, then they swap. One of them's more head, I'm so logical, the other one is more emotional. And the more emotional one gets, the more logical the other one gets. If you just calm down, we could have a conversation, <laughs> right? And the more that happens, the more the other one says, oh, that's so crazy. Who do you mm -hmm. think you are? And what the logical one needs to do is get more in touch with feelings. And what the emotional one needs to do is more centered and being able to think. Mm -hmm. They can learn from each other instead of pointing the finger. And the more we point fingers, the more polarized we get. 
the more we can validate and understand what's going on, the more calm we are and the quicker we are to be able to really listen to each other. So it's it's just it's how the brain works. And Harville and Helen years ago did tremendous amount of research of the brain research then that still holds true today. They just have more research that demonstrates Mm -hmm. the principle. They really got how the primitive brain works. We're learning so much about that. Yeah, being that's reactive. really, really interesting. Mm-hmm. And it totally, I mean, it definitely makes all the sense in the world. You bet. And that's where all the wellness is, the body-mind connection and mm-hmm. the things you do podcasts about all the time. Yeah, it's yeah. how connected it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, because we, like we said, we, we have people on here that do all kinds of different holistic health type stuff between nutrition and working out and meditation and all kinds of different things, which are all important things to kind of help make sure that you're healthy and make sure that you're ready to be in a relationship. And it all kind of, I don't know, it all grows together a little bit. Exactly. And that, you know, the time to mature, our brains don't even finish developing till we're 25 or 26. So when people come out of college and are getting ready to get married at 23, that's a problem. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that, too, because when I like even the, I remember graduating high school, I knew a ton of people that got married. And I yeah. was like, you're crazy. Yeah. At 17, 18 years old. And then same thing, graduate college, 22, 23, everyone gets married again. Yeah. And so it's just, I don't know, it's interesting because it's not necessarily like you could be dating the same person from, let's say you started dating when you were 20 years old, graduate, you're 22, 23, and maybe you think you want to get married, but I I guess I I never have understood why people are so in a rush to get married because I don't see why. And and actually, the age of marriage is growing, uh, is growing It's becoming older, much older, right? Mm-hmm. But there still are people where that's the model. That's what we do in this town. Mm-hmm. Uh, or they're really not in touch with themselves and what they want. Okay, I've, I've gone through, I've done high school, I've done college. We've been together three or four years. Now it's time to, okay, the next step is yeah. getting engaged or moving in or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and anybody who's 25 and says that their clock is ticking, uh-uh. Mm. But here's another thing that I see is women who have waited because they're career oriented, they're 32 or 33 and their clock is ticking. Mm-hmm. And that's where when they, if they are in a relationship, they're pushing the guy, hey, we need to go to the next step because my mm. clock is ticking or now they're desperate. So they are dating different people and trying to find who's going to let me move in mm-hmm. or sometimes deliberately getting pregnant but forgetting birth control mm. that's some of that unconscious process where sometimes it's direct manipulation sometimes it's fear mm-hmm. but you don't ever want to have a baby just because your clock is ticking yeah it's not fair to the kiddo mm-hmm Gotta think that through. But the more anxious we are, the more forgetful we are, the more the unconscious runs the show. That reactive response. Yeah. Or that insecurity. Mm -hmm. I'm not gonna have somebody who's gonna who's gonna provide for me. Mm -hmm. Or if I get pregnant I won't be able to work, so somebody needs to provide. A lot of it's unconscious. Yeah. But there's women who consciously do that yeah yeah and then also kind of on the flip side i know there's a lot of times where couples will they're dating and sometimes they've been dating for you know maybe a year and then they they do get pregnant on accident right and then that will oftentimes lead to them getting married dude and then obviously that can work out fine um but it is still kind of a 
I don't know, it's a big commitment to someone because of a, an accident that happened. And so I'm curious, yeah. have you like seeing people in those scenarios? What what's your experience with that? Absolutely. If they have a few years under their belt as a committed relationship, then there might be some hope. Mm -hmm. But here's what happens. With each deeper level of commitment, the more our unconscious gets activated. Mm -hmm. So casual dating moving into steady dating. Steady dating moving into engagement. Engagement moving into marriage. Marriage mo moving into having a kid. Each one of those transitions, there's a deeper level of commitment, which means there's more at stake. Mm -hmm. So if you have somebody, even if they've lived together, research, I haven't seen the latest research, but five years ago, the research says that Couples who live together and then get married have a bigger chance of divorce. Hmm. And that's because if you're just living together, yeah, it's a hassle to get out, but you still don't have that deeper level of commitments. Our families haven't tribed together, right? And so um, then all those unconscious things go online. Hmm. And if you have kids and you haven't had a chance to establish all that stuff about who empties the dishwasher and what's a, how do we do this? Maybe we're a dual career couple and now somebody's gonna stay home with the baby. Or maybe I've never worked, but I'm wondering about, are you gonna bring in something and now we got a kid? There's so many layers of yeah. things. It is not fair to the child. And if it's an oops baby, the couple hasn't had time to work all that out. Right. So if they come to me, they're just now pregnant. Now we have some time to put in some plans. Mm -hmm. If you have plans, you're less. Uh, right. So you can kind of plan. How are you going to do that? What's the division of labor? Everything changes when you have a child. Your world changes in ways nobody can know until they have them. Mm -hmm. And it's much more complex and complicated. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, that's a problem. But there are oops babies. And oh, yeah. isn't that wonderful? But there are other options, too. And it's so complex about what are we going to do. Mm -hmm. I've had people who had, had one night stand, got pregnant, and then they tried to live together. Forget that. Oof, yeah. And then if we have a one night stand, am I going to be, you know, am I just going to pay child support? Because I don't have a relationship with you. Mm -hmm. Really, really complex. A lot at stake. Yeah. So many things to talk about there is not an easy solution and you need to have lots of options. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And then kind of like you're saying, same thing um, with I know a lot of couples that get married and then they get pregnant almost immediately. Mm -hmm. And I also for me, at least, I feel like that's also kind of a I don't know, a big step to take because you've just gotten married mm -hmm. and marriage is tough enough. And then you're adding a child in like immediately. Which just seems kind of like you were talking about those levels that you go right. through and kind of adjust to. I feel like ideally it would probably be best maybe to try, you know, being married for a little little while and yeah, I get, have get accustomed to it. And that's also where when people have lived alone and in fact, the older you get, the more you're able to do what you want when you want it. Mm -hmm. Relationships by necessity mean we're going to make some compromises. We're going to have to, I don't get what I want all the time. Mm -hmm. You have a right in a committed relationship to get some of your needs met some of the time, whether your partner wants to meet them or not. Hopefully they'll do it as a gift freely given without <laughs> resentment. But the older you are that you've lived alone, sometimes people come in, they've never even had an animal to take care of. Mm -hmm. 
So they have to get used to what does it mean to have someone around every day? <clears throat> what does it mean to pool our resources? Do we what do we do about finances? That's always a complicated yeah. thing. And then all of a sudden, I've got a kid who changes my life. Oh my goodness, maybe this pregnancy thing's kind of fun. It's kind of interesting, but all of a sudden now, I'm sleep deprived for 3 months. Mm-hmm. And I'm tired and now I'm more stressed. And I come home and my wife is exhausted and she hands the baby to me where it cries for three hours and I've never taken care of anything else. So all of those things you can't know until you have it, but there is a way to plan and prepare and take classes and learn and read the books. Mm-hmm. If it happens to you suddenly, that makes it much more difficult. Yeah. Much more stressful. Yeah. Yeah. yeah kind of like you said, having those plans in <laughs> place really makes a huge yeah, difference. Yeah, and talking about it before it happens. Mm-hmm. Many, many couples move in together or get married, they have never once talked about, how are we going to do money? Mm, yeah. <laughs> so money, sex, in-laws, children, those are the four big. There will be fights about <laughs> <laughs> time alone, time together. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so it gets complicated. Yeah. And yeah, like you said, it's just all about being able to communicate properly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's important. And it's, I mean, it's tough. It is very hard. Yeah. And it's getting harder. <laughs> yes. Because the world's more complex. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. More things to juggle in our lives. And I really think, you know, with all this technology we have, I I have more trouble getting things fixed nowadays. Yeah. Because there is no customer service, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and then you have to go online with technology. I mean, my technology is not working to be able to find what I need to fix, whatever this thing is broken. Mm-hmm. And it's more hassle and more wait time that... Okay, we don't we have less patience, but when things we depend on technology, we want it fast. Yeah. And it's harder to get it done. And there are more things that are happening that are breaking, that aren't working, that are overwhelming to people mm-hmm. that we didn't have when life was simpler yeah. for sure. Yeah, and I yeah, definitely. And I feel like people are probably more more willing to just buy a new thing. Yeah. Instead of fixing something. Because yeah. usually buying something new will just be a little bit faster and probably won't cost cost that much more a lot of the time. You bet. So that's kind of another thing that'll play into people's you know, just <laughs> yeah. instant gratification kind of thing. Just get a new one. Yeah, let's just throw it and add <laughs> yeah, to the problems of the away. world. Yep. Especially those plastic. I was looking at the at the news today where people are what is happening with these scooters that are ending up in the water? Do people oh. just throw them so they'll break or what happens? I and don't it's know. creating toxic stuff in the I, water. Is that nuts? That's I the ultimate know. throwaway. I, th- those scooters I don't know how I feel about those. Oh my gosh. They bother me a lot of time. Nuts. Anyway. <laughs> they are. They're everywhere. I'm old, but I'm glad it alarms you too. Yeah, no. I, <laughs> I haven't I've never even ridden one actually. I have not yet ridden one and I kinda just don't ever want to ride one yeah, just because I don't like them. <laughs> <laughs> you have to get out of the way real fast. Yep, yep, exactly. <laughs> Crazy people. <laughs> well, Pam, thank you so much for coming in today. Um I really, Welcome. really enjoyed getting to talk to you about all of this and me too. I think a lot of people will really I mean, there's a lot of important things you talked about that they can take home and hopefully kind of start implementing into their relationship or hopefully they'll go maybe consider seeing a therapist kind of like you or doing something to kind of be, I think being proactive in your relationship is important because like you said, a lot of time you have people that come in after six years of, of really bad struggle. And once you've gone through that much time, it's, I would imagine much harder to undo a lot of the, or fix a lot of the issues than if you came in, you know. Yeah. Harful talks about doing upriver prevention instead of downriver cleanup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a lot easier. Exactly. The sooner the better mm-hmm. ask for help. Mm-hmm. And think about it. If therapy isn't the word you like, coaching. Yeah. 
not with a life coach necessarily because they may not have the credentials or the license. Mm-hmm. But a good therapist, there are a lot of good couples therapists out there and a lot of good um, licensed people that can help you do something different that are proactive. Hey, what can you teach me when you're calling them up? Can you teach me something different? Mm-hmm. That's what's so important. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Well, thank Thanks, you. Thanks, Ryan. Yeah, it was really good to meet you. Um, do you have a website or anything that so people can maybe learn more about you or follow you a little bit more? Yes, is drmonday.com. Awesome. Perfect. Well, thank All you again. Right. And hopefully maybe we can get you back on again sometime. I'd love I feel that. like there's there's tons more stuff we can talk about. Totally enjoyed it, Ryan. Thanks so much. Thank you. The Wellness Plus Podcast. Copyright 2018. Target Public Media, LLC. All rights reserved.